Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. I'd like to ask you to turn in your Bibles. Um, oh, here we go. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Acts. Um, as you can see from your handout, we're starting this little study on the Holy Spirit. I've kind of been confused, not not really, but as uh, in flux about which title to choose. Um, one is, How Can I Be Filled with the Spirit? That's part of the study. Uh, the other is the dynamic person work and filling of the Holy Spirit. So uh, titles, you know, they're not inspired. They're just something we choose that helps communicate uh, what it's going to be about. So now you know. Uh, but if you turn to Acts chapter 1, I'd like to read um, two two portions from the book of Acts, and then we'll, we'll pray here real quick. Uh, it says, The first account I am... I composed Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which we know was the Holy Spirit, uh, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Uh, so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know uh, the times and or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Well, if you'd also turn to Acts chapter 2, please, Acts 2, which as you know also speaks about the Holy Spirit. Verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them uh, tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven, and when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from 
Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues or languages speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they are full of sweet wine. And we'll stop at that point. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, thank you for your word. Please guide us in our study tonight uh, by your Holy Spirit, for we depend totally on him, his power, and we pray that he would teach us tonight, that we would listen, and that we would be yielded to him in every way. We commit our time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, one moment here. to the right spot. Okay. I think we'll move this down here. Um, I have this title about the Holy Spirit, the dynamic, as far as our study is titled, the dynamic person work and filling of the Holy Spirit. And I say dynamic because uh, that word kind of comes from um, the word dunamis, and you know that word for power in the Bible, uh, because we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And just to emphasize the power, the might, and the ability that we as believers have, and the fact that it's found in the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, and the filling of the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately, it seems that uh, in our theologically conservative non-charismatic, Bible-believing circles, um, we don't hear a lot about the Holy Spirit. Not a lot of teaching uh, in terms of what the Word of God says about the Holy Spirit. And I was reminded of this um, when I was teaching at a conference over in Northern Ireland. Um, Actually, it was the south of Ireland, now that I think about it, uh, eight or ten years ago. And uh, I was teaching on the Holy Spirit, and people would come up to me as we got into this conference, and they would say things like, Mike, we really appreciate what you're saying on the Holy Spirit, you're teaching on it. We never hear about this. This subject is never dealt with. We hardly ever, and maybe they didn't use the word never, but hardly ever hear about the Holy Spirit. Um, and I thought, well, on the one hand, that was, that was a sad thing. Uh, and I've heard that actually a number in a number of places a number of times. Uh, and after hearing that over there in Ireland, I asked the folks, the brethren, why do you think that is? Why don't you hear about it much? And over and over, I would hear the thought, uh, they thought it's be- because it's been a reaction, a negative reaction against the charismatic movement and all of their extremes and, and the strange things they, they get into. Uh, and so we've just totally ignored it. They just chose, the Christians cho- chose basically, for the most part, to ignore uh, teaching on the Holy Spirit. I think that's been done here in the States to some degree, um, and and you'd only know, you know yourselves uh, uh, the places where that has occurred in terms of your own experience. Um, but the reason I bring all of that up is to say if we, if we do ignore the Holy Spirit, if we don't teach uh, and practice what the Word of God says about the Holy Spirit, we will be powerless because the Holy Spirit is our only power source. Amen? I mean, that's the only power source we have. 
don't count on yourself for the power because we know we don't have it. Um, and as ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be ineffective, we will be inefficient, um, that is, we will be incompetent, incapable of properly representing, of rightly representing the Lord Jesus Christ in this world and uh, not understanding the truth about the Holy Spirit. It's like sitting in your own private luxury jet, a jet that can take you virtually anywhere in the world, but sitting in that jet all ready to go and having no fuel. I mean, that would be a bad situation to be in, right? Uh, you know, if we ignore the Holy Spirit, that's kind of the situation we're in. And so not understanding the truth about the Holy Spirit, it can only result, and I made a little list here, in spiritual ignorance, a lack of true wisdom, a lack of true spiritual, uh, true and biblical spirituality. It can result in the absence of the fruit of the Spirit, effectiveness in evangelism, um, ineffectiveness there, uh, I should say ineffectiveness in evangelism, it can result in an overall weakness and ineptitude in virtually every area of the Christian life. In other words, it's a bad thing if we ignore the Holy Spirit, right? If we don't understand, if we don't practice the truths concerning the Holy Spirit. Um, And not only that, but such a lack of understanding of the Spirit and His power, it most assuredly will result in defeat as we attempt to battle it out with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we certainly want to win there instead of being defeated. Now, that's the bad news, if you will. The good news is none of that has to be. None of that has to be. Those things... uh, just do not have to be. In fact, just the opposite of those things can happen when we do understand who the Holy Spirit is, how he works, uh, how we should be related to him, how we can be channels of his great power. And as we understand and practice those things, we can experience the reality of Paul's words when he said in Ephesians 3.16, remember when he prayed there that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Paul prayed for that and we certainly uh, desire to see that. We can also experience the reality of Paul's words in Ephesians 3.20 when he said, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond, in some versions, exceeding abundantly beyond all that, all that we ask uh, or think, according to the power that works within us. Uh, and in fact, I would submit to you that as we face this world gone mad, uh, as you look at the news, you know that's true, uh, we must en- understand who the Holy Spirit is, how he works, and how we can be channels of his great power. That's God's will for us as believers. Um, as we look at the world in the days ahead, we, our children, our grandchildren, we face a whole list of very scary things, in a sense. The likelihood of war, terrorism, and terrorist attacks, violent attacks that are 
done by crazed individuals in public places, unfortunately, the great threat of deadly diseases and sicknesses, uh, the growing threat of persecution, increasing economic problems, the list goes on and on, rapidly increasing, uh, decreasing, I should say, moral and spiritual standards. We face greater dangers and temptations because of all the uh, technology that's out there and available, the multiple media, the spiritual decline, and multiple problems in the church. Uh, We face all kinds of things. The exponential proliferation of false teaching, which is just everywhere. We face the multiplication and deification of knowledge and technology uh, and an ever-increasing pressure to conform to the world, to conform to the culture, and as well as the the division and all-out destruction of personal relationships and family relationships, all of those types of things with, sadly, murder-suicides occurring virtually every day. You hear it in the news all the time. We live in a very sin-sick world, and I don't think I have to prove that to you at all. Uh, Now, I know that sounds very dark and gloomy and bleak and pessimistic, but it's nonetheless the truth. In biblical terms, Scripture is very clear on this, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 8 says that in the last days, difficult times will come for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. These are those who are always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We're also told in 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 3, but the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Just a really quick illustration of that. I worked with a young man from, uh, well, he being age 15 when I first met him and started to work with him, discipled him, spent literally years with him, including as a single man, then getting married to his wife. He went on to go to seminary, college seminary, got a seminary degree, uh, was a pastor, preached in churches, was sharp as a tack, and probably 30 years, right, Nona, at least. um, He walked away from the faith walked away totally, said, I don't want anymore, I don't believe it anymore, and turned his back on it. So that's just one single example of, of uh, in the later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. He went on to start his own motorcycle club called Sons Undone, meaning Sons of God Undone. It was terrible. It was heartbreaking. Um, 
Just an example of that. The point is, from all that we can see happening and all that we read in the scriptures that will happen in the months and years ahead, folks, it's not going to be business as usual. And I think we can see that. I think it's obvious. Um, nor will things improve and get better and better no matter what the political parties tell us. Uh, it's not going to happen that way. The scripture says it's going this way, not this way, right? That's very clear in the Bible. And we face challenges and difficulties that far surpass our human ability, our human wisdom, and our human resources. And the question is, are you prepared for that? Are you prepared for that? As a young person, I'll just do it this way, make it real simple. As a young person, as a middle-aged person, as an older person, and we all fall somewhere in those groups, right? Are we prepared for that? Um, Am I? And the question is, how will we handle it? How will we handle it? How will our children and grandchildren handle it? And what would, what should we do to prepare them for all of those things, for facing all of those, all of those things? Uh, with what kind of strength and power and resources will we face whatever comes our way? Whether it be disease, whether it be the terrible sin in the world, whatever it is, um, Those are crucial questions, aren't they? Those are hard questions. Is our own human strength and intellect enough to get us through that? I think we all know the answer to that. Uh, In and of ourselves, do we have what it takes to face the ominous days that lie ahead? I would say a most definite no. But of course, what I say doesn't really matter. My opinion, the word of God says a most definite no. Makes that very clear. How does God answer those questions? Well, he says in his word the same thing. He says, no, by yourself, you don't have the sufficiency. You don't have sufficient and adequate resources to handle what is coming in the days of, even in terms of what is here now, right? We don't have enough to handle what's here now, let alone what's coming in the the days ahead as it gets worse and worse. Uh, In fact, the Bible says this, Jesus said in John 15, 5, uh, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. No thing. Nothing. Second uh, Corinthians 3, 4 to 6, the Apostle Paul says that we are adequate, excuse me, we are not adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. We're not adequate. We're not sufficient, in other words. But our adequacy or sufficiency is from God. And you know Philippians 4.13, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we praise the Lord for that. Um, So as I minister to you and to other people, as I travel around and preach and teach the word of God, um, you know, I I think to myself, you know, I think a good reminder of who and what and where our power source is would be in order right about now. Would you agree? the kind of world that we live in? Because according to God's word, in the days ahead, we as Christians are going to be stretched to the very limit. To the very limit. So I pray that uh, I would, so I, I pray that we would all be ready and understand the power that God has given to us in the person uh, and work of his Holy Spirit. Um, As I think about that, 
I want to repeat a statement I made earlier, and uh, if I didn't make it, I should have made it. Our study of the filling of the Holy Spirit, of the person, the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, is one of the most vital, critical, crucial truths that we could know about, that we could practice. It's so important. Charles Ryrie wrote the following some 55 plus years ago in regard to the Holy Spirit's uh, vital position in the life of the church. Uh, And it's very pertinent, just as pertinent now, maybe more so as it was then. He said this, quote, the solution of the problems, excuse me, the solution to the problems of the church today is to solve the individual Christian's problems. And the solution to those problems is a person, the Holy Spirit. He is the antidote for every error, the power for every weakness, the victory for every defeat, and the answer for every need. And he is available to every believer, for he lives in his heart and life. The answer and the power have already been given to us in the indwelling Holy Spirit. End of quote. Boy, how right on he was 55 plus years ago. Another commentator said this, which kind of brings it into focus here too. Too many Christians are searching futilely for answers to needless questions. They flock to seminars, devour popular Christian books, visit counselors, seek the latest fad for successful Christian living, or pursue the current ecstatic experience to discover the secret of abundant life in Christ. But I contend that the key to such living is not a secret, nor is it mysterious. Scripture contains all the information we will ever need for living fruitful, successful lives. Our problem is not a lack of information, nor a deficiency in spiritual experience. Our problem is that we do not rely sufficiently on the ministry of the Spirit and allow Him to apply the truth with power in our lives. All the seminars and counselors and deeper life schemes can actually turn out to be counterproductive since a false means of sanctification is an incompetent, excuse me, is an impotent counterfeit, end of quote. That brother, that commentator was exactly right. The Holy Spirit, he, again, he's our power, our power source. He's the one uh, that we must depend on. Now, you know, we've kind of started off, it sounds like a negative way to start off a series, to start off a brand new series. But just to get, you know, it's like the gospel. Sometimes you have to hear the bad news before you hear the good news, right? Uh, the bad news that we're sinners, that we're lost, we're on our way to hell. Uh, Got to hear the bad news first. And so that's kind of why I started with that bad news tonight first, because the good news is we've got, we have the power we have all the resources we need in Christ. In fact, I love what Peter said when he said that we've been granted everything pertaining to life and godliness, right? Everything we need, uh, including the power of the Holy Spirit. So um, I, I want to kind of give you an idea of where we're headed. Tonight really is just introductory, introducing the, the study. Um, but as we do this, we'll be looking at a number of things. Uh, We'll hear what some people are saying about being filled with the Spirit. That's 
on your outline there. Uh, we'll look at the identity of the Holy Spirit, um, some basic foundational truths about his person, his work, uh, who he is, what he's like, that sort of thing. Uh, Lord willing, we'll also look at the various names of the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure how much time we'll be able to spend on those, but uh, there's at least 25 to 30 different names in Scripture of the Holy Spirit. And then we'll also talk specifically about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, very important because that that whole concept is misunderstood. It's mistaught. It's falsely taught. And we want to understand that truth for sure. Um, and then we'll dive in and uh, from the Bible answer the question specifically how to be filled with the Spirit, how we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there are at least seven requirements or essentials that are uh, necessary for that to happen. And then following that, we'll give you some ways to know if you're Spirit-filled or not. Evidences, uh, marks uh, that show you to be a Spirit-filled believer. Um, And then, God willing, in the last couple of sessions, we'll talk about the ultimate results of living as as Spirit-filled believers. And that would, of course, have to do with the study of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. So that's kind of an overview real quick of where we're headed. Uh, And with that full menu in front of us then, uh, I'm just going to dive in. We'll do one point tonight, okay? Maybe we have time for one, cover one point at least. Uh, And that is what some people say about the filling of the Spirit. There are many and varied opinions, and I know you know that. All kinds of views out there concerning the divine command, especially I'm focusing on being filled with the Spirit, the divine command to be filled with the Spirit. All kinds of views there from Ephesians 5.18. And it would only seem normal that a genuine Christian would would want to be filled with the Spirit. Um, That would seem absolutely normal to me. And uh, that they would want to obey that command and be infused with God's power. But just what does it mean? Uh, What does it involve? Uh, Some say that a person must speak in tongues as energized by the Spirit. That that's what being filled with the Spirit is. Some of those same people even say to be saved, you must speak in tongues. Um, So to be filled with the Spirit has to do mainly with speaking in tongues, is the view of some, uh, that the filling, um, others say that the filling of the Spirit means you have to speak in tongues and interpret, be able to interpret the tongues, or that it means wild, ecstatic emotions and physical sensations. And this is where the Spirit takes control of your whole body and... um, You're overcome with indescribable feelings of joy and happiness, total euphoria, uh, that sort of thing. And you're just totally out of control, even though the, what what is the fruit of the Spirit says? One of the, part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, right? Tell you a real quick story about that. Nona and I were invited to uh, a friend's church. It was actually a a friend of ours. We knew the couple. They invited us to their church. We didn't know what their church was like. Um, we didn't know it was a charismatic church when we said we'd go. So we get there and uh, find out they've got a guest evangelist there. And he's gonna, he starts right off up front with a healing service. 
And people come down the aisle and they smack them on the forehead and the people are slain in the spirit, supposedly, and they hit the floor. And uh, it was really embarrassing because some of the women had dresses on and they hit the floor and other women ran up real quick and threw coats on top of them for modesty's sake uh, because it was so embarrassing. And, and this, this, this is how the meeting started, by the way. That's how it started off. Um, and then they got up there and they started speaking in tongues. Well, I wouldn't call it biblical tongues, gibberish. Uh, and so we got the full experience, you know, in terms of watching it. Um, and uh, that was all that took place. And that probably took 45 minutes or an hour before the evangelist started to preach. And when he got up to preach, we quietly slipped out the back and departed. So, um, oh, it was quite the experience. But that's the kind of thing that, that happens in certain places. And that's how some people view the filling of the Spirit, that all those things happen, the healing, the tongues, the ecstatic, uh, euphoria, all those kinds of things. Uh, they, they will say that you're slain in the Spirit or you, you have the ability to prophesy and foretell the future or the ability to heal the bodies of others, the healing aspect. Uh, there are literally thousands of teachers and books out there that will tell you that these and many other highly emotional, totally out-of-control experiences, including divine laughing and barking like a dog, uh, that it's all part of the Holy Spirit. Is anyone here aware of the laughing and barking? Okay. Yeah, uh, the Toronto Blessing. I didn't dare bring this up this past Lord's Day. uh, The Toronto Blessing, as they call it, took place a number of years ago, and all these charismatics met in Toronto at the airport there, and these things happened. You can look it up if you care to. You can find this on YouTube and see the divine barking and laughing where they are totally out of control and just, you know, the hearty belly laugh that all of us might experience, you know, if Don tells us a good joke, right? That, that would be a good thing. But this would go on and on and on and on and on, uh, supposedly energized by the Holy Spirit. Um, so those kinds of things can, can happen. Uh, I would submit to you that woof, woof, in most cases, is not going to be of the Holy Spirit. Would you agree? Uh, although God did speak through Balaam's donkey one time. So, so that kind of thing did happen. Um, totally different context, obviously. Uh, let me say it this way. On the one hand, people have all those kinds of funny views about what the Holy Spirit does. On the other hand, there are many Christians who have never had any of those kinds of experiences, and they yet they are powerful and effective in, in their witness. They live holy and godly lives. They have prayer ministries that are effective. Um, they honor and glorify the name of the Lord. Uh, and, and they believe, as I do, that a genuine believer can live in the power of the Holy Spirit moment by moment, yielded to the Spirit, energized by the Holy Spirit, moment by moment, day by day, without necessarily having all of those other kinds of experiences. And I I think of one brother, um, maybe you're aware of him, Richard Wormbrand. He was the founder of Voices of the Martyrs. Uh, He 
Until his death carried scars from beatings he received in a communist prison camp where he was imprisoned. And uh, he exemplifies, as one example, uh, a a spirit-filled life as he talks about singing for joy in his cell when he was cold and sick and and hungry and uh, experienced terrible beatings and things that occurred in the prison. And he's an example, a beautiful example, I think, of a Christian who didn't have to have all of those other experiences, yet he was spirit-filled, yielded to the Spirit, walked in the Spirit, and enjoyed God's presence in spite of his terrible circumstances that that he was involved in. So what gives you say? Who is right about these things and who is wrong? Well, I hope our study will help us help us to understand uh, the answers to some of those questions. Um, and what we might uh, what we must do is look at what the Bible says and what the Word of God teaches. Amen. Uh, that's what will lead us and show us. Uh, the way in terms of the study of the Holy Spirit. So that's my very long introduction to the study. Uh, any, any quick questions, real quick, and then we'll we'll close tonight. But anything at all? Of course, if you ask me too hard of a question, it'll probably take too long to answer it tonight. But all right, okay, that's where we're headed. And uh, if you have, ever have any questions throughout the study, please feel free to ask. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who indwells every believer. How we love that verse where Paul says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the the residence, the house of the Holy Spirit? Oh, Lord, we, we thank you for his power. We thank you for his involvement in our salvation. We thank you for his involvement in our Christian lives. And Lord, that we can trust him and walk with him and enjoy his presence. Uh, We just thank you for your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for the ministry, that key ministry that he has of pointing us to Christ, of pointing us to our Savior, always drawing our minds and hearts back to the one who died for us, back to the one who saved us, uh, back to the one with whom we will spend eternity and one day see face to face. Thank you that the Holy Spirit glorifies the Son. And we pray that throughout this study, uh, that would be true uh, of the teaching of, of us, Lord, as we live for you. And as you do that, we will give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.